and welcome back to another episode of Farewell Evangelion. My name is Keith, who is going through the series for his last time, and I am joined by Peter. Hello! Who is going through for his first. Uh, as different from normal episodes, we are not going over anything specific to the movies or the shows. We're actually doing a deep dive into the lore of the Rebuild series. We're going to touch on the original Evangelion lore a little bit, but this is more to just contextualize everything that's happened up to this point and explain some of those gaps, or things that... They just didn't explain the movie. So for those of you who remember our last lore episode, you can expect some, I assume, some fucking banger information. Because the last one opened up with fucking, by the way, angels are in fact aliens. So I assume we're going to get some more crazy drops like that this time. Now, the one thing I'm going to preemptively say in this one is, with Rebuild, a lot of the lore is more speculative and not so much concrete. Because the original Evangelion, when we're going through those episodes, I was able to say... Oh, this is Celia's plan, and stuff like this. We didn't have that when the original Evangelion ended. That's because of video games and other media that came out that gave us that context that we were able to go back and say, oh, this is what was going on, because it was confirmed canon by Anno. We haven't really had anything come out since Brace Upon a Time. So things in Brace Upon a Time specifically are going to be very vague and loose and could possibly end up being, oh, that's not true down the line. So. The first two out movies of the Rebuild series, I can pretty concretely say this is a lot of stuff going on. The last two, those ones are going to be more interpretation based on information and could possibly be wrong. Uh, all that is to say, if you're listening to this podcast like five years in the future and anything we say here is wrong, it's not that we were mistaken, it's that we're intentionally lying to you and intentionally giving out false information. Exactly. That's how everything's done to me. Yeah, 100%. Misinformation's the name of the game, baby. So, I think the big thing to touch on here, this is the big Angels Are Aliens moment for you here. Of course. <laughs> the one thing to keep in mind is, when we're talking about different Age of Evangelion franchises, even though they're all connected, it doesn't mean everything is the exact same. This even means why and how certain things work. So think of it better as timelines and not so much a straight path, yeah. even though, in a sense, we're following Calvary through that path. Yeah, so it probably makes more sense to think of it as a vastly branching timeline. God knows when they first started branching. Probably in the first impacts. Everything's just been subtly different since then. And it's just we've watched subsequent paths, and the only thing is Calvary gets to kind of see all the paths, but everyone else only knows their own path and things are only consistent in that individual path. Exactly, and I think uh, the biggest indicator of this is at the end of Price Upon a Time, we end with two realities in existence. What two realities? The one that Shinji and Mari are in, and the one that Shinji sends Asuka back into with Kensuke. Right, because he does send Asuka back to hang out with Kensuke, and then we cut to, well not cut to, but then we end up seeing the train station where... Ray and Kara are hanging out being best buds. Yeah, so I will explain the ending of First Upon a Time a bit better when we get to that part in the timeline, but the best thing to keep in mind is things in Rebuild and Original and even other Evangelions aren't always going to match up role-wise, but it's more so the concept that's important. Yeah. So, for example, uh, going back to the beginning of everything in this one, Adam still is meant to go to Earth, Lola still crashes. Yes. The big key difference in this one is now there are four spears and five atoms. 
I, I'm already <laughs> so tired. Can you please... So Adam was supposed to go to Earth. Why are there four of him there? Five. Sorry, why are there five of him there? Ultimately, we don't know why there was five. We just know that this time, five Adams were in the fruit, or the egg of Zeta, you know, life, essentially. Came to Earth and had possession of four spears. Lilith then crashes into the planet. The Adams are sealed. And then second impact essentially frees and kills the Adams. Alright, so... Also, the Adams aren't in the angel numerical value uh, calculation because Kauru is the first one because he's the soul of Adam. Okay, so, sorry. Just, like, really going at it from the beginning here. In this timeline, there's only the one Lilith, right? There's not five Liliths in the Black Moon? There's just the one Lilith in Evangelion Imaginary. And, yeah, but that does, that's not on Earth. That's in the Imaginary Dimension. The, the C minus space. C the negative space. Yeah. Um, did Lilith still presumably have a spear that was broken on impact with Earth? It's never mentioned in this one. We have to assume it was, because that seems like a really odd thing where the spears we know are safeguards. So to just have one one flying around out there without a safeguard gets really weird. But at the same time, Lilith spear broke on impact in the original series. So where there's no mention of it, it could be that that's just the case again, and there was no need to address it again. And there are. Five atoms, but only four spears in the other uh, moon, right? Yes. Is there a reason why there's not a... Because my understanding... So, I can understand there being more than one spear, because the logic would be the whole point of the spear is if it detects both the seed of life and the seed of knowledge, uh, the spear jams into the heart of whoever is closest to stop them from being able to merge the two powers together. Yeah, there's some level of sentience to the spears that they react two situations, there are safeguards put in place by the first ancestral race to prevent someone getting both knowledge and life because that makes them god -like. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I just don't understand why there's not five spears if there's five atoms. I can understand that there being more than one because you want one spear per atom to spear them all so that none of them get to live with both powers. But the fact that they're also, if there was only four spears and five atoms, why was there not still just Adam existing since the beginning of time if there wasn't a spear to spear the fifth Adam? Uh, so, this is one of these vague things about, like, the exact breakdown. We know, ultimately, there ends up being five Longinuses and one Gaius. Or, sorry, Cassius. Yeah. And then later on, Gaius is made by humans to kind of counter-react, I guess. Yeah. But ultimately, we do end up with six spheres for the six forms. Lilith is still classified as an angel, but Adams are not. Okay. And so... Are the four spheres that we... The four spheres of Longinus, are those the four spheres that were on the White Moon? Yeah, so Longinus is tied to specifically Adam, and the other one is tied to Lilith. The, the Gaius. Cassius. Cassius. And Gaius is the spear that humans made. Yeah. Because each one has a different reasoning behind it. Longinus is the spear of despair. Yep. And Cash is the spear of hope. Yeah. And Gaius is the spear of humanity. Yeah. Okay. 
So right. everything kind of plays out the same way. It's just now there's four more people involved. And people in air quotes. Triple the amount of spears. Yeah. Yeah. Now we do know that the spears can kind of change shape, so what they look like doesn't really truly matter. But, uh, actually, I guess, thinking about it, Lilith's spear wasn't destroyed on the impact. Yeah, because that's... Because Cowher used it to stop Shinji yeah. from doing third impact, or near third impact, in the second that's why there's... Well, I... Okay, okay. So, theory now. This is me theorizing because this is... Technically, we don't have all the answers here. So, Peter's time to theorize. Um, not that it matters. Unlike my other theories, which were vitally important. Um, one of... There were five spears on the original White Moon. One of them happened to be destroyed in the first impact instead of uh, one of Lilith's spears. And then Lilith Spear was like, you know what, I like you, Lilith. I'm going to stab that fifth ass. <laughs> I'm going to stab him for you, <laughs> yeah. and then we're going to put him on the moon so no one knows I did yeah, this. Yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> no, not that moon. The moon up there. Yeah, of course. Not Neither the white moon nor the black moon that's here. But the new thing that we just created when we impacted, we're going to call that another moon, and that moon is going to be up there, and I'm going to hang out up there with Adam. Yeah. Uh, to clarify, I know we definitely talked about this in the past. Uh... Unit 1 is made of one of the five atoms, right? No, Lilith. Right, Lilith. Fuck. Lilith's legs. Yeah, that's a constant between, I believe, every iteration of Neon Genesis, regardless of the storyline. Evangelion 1 is always unique because it is made from Lilith. And it makes sense because Yui tried to merge with it, and that's why Rei is both Yui and Lilith at the same time. Shinji misses his mom, which is, like, fair, I guess. Yeah, ultimately, everything else historically kind of plays it the same way, just that there's more atoms and spears in circulation for this run. Uh, there is one more unique thing that's not rebuild-specific, I guess, but more of... It explains why Lilith always ends up on Earth, and that's because Calver made a little something called the Book of Fate and put his name next to Shinji, which is essentially another way of saying Kaoru is always influencing the world so that Shinji comes into existence yeah, no so matter what. Kaoru's name being next to Shinji means that Kaoru, who is, or has the soul of Adam, needs to be on the same planet as Shinji, who is a Lilin, so... And so Lilith has to be on the planet, and all the atoms have to be sealed in order for Shinji to come into existence. So, now we have to... Now, I don't understand why it happened the first time, but now we understand why the Black Moon keeps accidentally going to Earth, and it's because Kaoru... Shinji has no carnal feelings for Kaoru, but I'm starting to question whether or not Kaoru has carnal feelings for Shinji. Yeah, so it, it's a little fun way of wrapping up, like, why this happens in every timeline. That's because Kaoru makes sure it happens in every timeline. It happened in one timeline by chance, and Kaoru's like, nah, this shit's fire. I'm gonna make sure this happens every time yeah, after. The Book of Fate essentially is just another way of saying Kaoru is dictating everything up to Shinji's birth, which is why we intend to get our biggest deviations after, after the second yeah, there are subtle deviations beforehand, and that could even, like, I could accept that as an explanation for why there are five atoms in Rebuild, because the original, whatever they were called, the ancient aliens that created the... First Ancestral Race. First Ancestral Race, thank you. 
might even just be aware of the loop that's happening, and they're just getting frustrated with Karu for doing this. So they're like, nah, fuck it, we're sending five atoms there. That's gotta, like, fix this fucking situation. It, if we have five atoms, one of them's gotta survive, and Lilith gets shut down. Maybe that'll fix the situation forever. Not realizing the power of the Book of Fate, and so... Uh, that is why there are five atoms. That's my headcanon for why there are five atoms. Is the ancestral race got fed up with fucking Karu, and they're like, nah, we're changing shit around this time and seeing what happens. And it worked! It sucked. Apparently five atoms being on Earth is what allowed Shinji to have the mental health required to survive That's and true. solve <laughs> Uh One other thing to confirm before we go to the timeline a bit more is it has been confirmed, even though it's not done in the series, because rebuilds don't really highlight dates very often, yeah. as compared to the original. But it is confirmed it takes place within the same time frame as the original Neon Genesis storyline. So, being around, uh, you know, 2015 is what makes the most sense in it. Though, we're not confirmed, so that could be loosely. It might, you know, be a year or two after, or something like that. But we do know that it takes place around 2015 in the time frame. Yeah. So technically, while Neon Genesis was set in the future, uh, rebuild was set in the past. In a sense. Until the time skip. Yeah. Uh, and then one last thing I just kind of want to briefly touch on uh, that gets clarified in the rebuilds is the idea of the Chambers of Goth. So we now know that Chambers of Goth, the gates specifically, open up into the minus space. Yep. Uh, so that's where all of the souls are coming from. Yep. The... And Souls are negative, that makes sense. We're led to believe that since Second Impact opens up the, cha uh, the gates of Goth for atoms and creates all the angels because their souls are released from there. But we also know that when they pulled Ray out of the one that was opened by Lilith, there was no more souls in it. We can infer that both gates open to different Goths. Yeah. So, angel souls are specifically in the Atom one, and all the souls that are become humans, essentially, are specifically the ones. Which means that they are technically different gates of Goth. Which means they could point to, like, different dimensions. Like, we know that the gates of Goth that was opened with Lilith goes to the negative dimension with uh, Ray Imaginary. Sorry, not Ray Imaginary. Ava Imaginary. Angel Imaginary? Ava. Ava Imaginary. Um, but it's theoretically possible that the Gates of Goth that Adam opened point to, like, the positive realm with Ava realistic. <laughs> a real Ava. <laughs> a real Ava. Imagine going through that realm and finding a real Ava and just be like, ah, oh, that's a real Ava. And then you're just like, what the fuck have I been piloting all the time if that's what a real Ava is? Your mom! <laughs> True, he has been <laughs> Literally every one of the Ava pilots has been piloting their mom. Yeah. That's that's true. Oh, God. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I had a realization that I definitely had before, and it just made me sad to think about. Because I... We've definitely talked about this on the podcast before, but the realization that every one of the Ava pilots... Um, uh, the reason they're able to pilot is because their mom's soul is inside of it. And so that allows the connection to be made. Um, the fact that every single child in the city was a potential candidate for an Ava pilot means that Gendo just has a fucking 
book bag full of souls in one of the rooms in the fucking Nair HQ. Essentially. Because if we find it, they never really go away. Yeah. So, uh, now with this new timeline, the first thing that ends up happening is actually the construction of the Goth-class ships. So, the Wonder and its siblings. Yeah. All this is the first thing that starts being created. Yeah. This is before the Avos? Yep. Okay. Uh, well, it's not that it's before the Avas are an idea. It's more just... of both, like, Project E, Evangelion, includes these things. Yeah. And those ships have been being built long before they show up in the franchise, so if you want to assume that they exist... Well, actually, these ships cannot exist in the original run, because uh, they're in connection to the Five Atoms. Yeah. Uh, but, this, like, one of them could exist in the original run, just not all five. Or four. I think it was four ships. Yeah, anyways, yes. Uh, it couldn't because Adam's Embryo existed. Right, yeah. This time we had the Key of Nebuchadnezzar in place of that. Are we going to talk about what the Key of Nebuchadnezzar yeah, is? we'll get to it. Okay, good. Uh, so, the, the big difference in this one, obviously, that we first come across timeline-wise, is Yui is now Yui Ayaname. Yep. Having a different name, not that big of a Yeah, because in the change. original run, her last name was Akari, and Gendo had some fucking weird last name, right? Yeah, and in this world, Gendo's the Akari, and she's an Ayanami. Yeah. Again, these are things where things don't happen to be the exact same when they transition through, which becomes more apparent as we go further in the storyline. Well, we, we get a similar thing with Asuka's name changing as well. Instead of Asus, Asuka Soryu Lanyu, uh, she now has... Uh, Shikinami in her name. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> this one is my, probably my favorite change in this part, but in the original one, it's uh, Yui becomes a part of Ava 1, and in this one, the phrasing is exactly, she sacrifices herself to Unit 1. Yeah, that's a very different way of phrasing it. Yeah. Which ends up kind of highlighting what happens later on, because in Price Upon a Time, we see the Ray clones, and Butsuki mentions them in the sacrifices to the Atoms, which means probably something similar to Yui happened to them to the uh, Ava's 9 through 12. Yeah. So we don't have any exacts on this, but Sile still established at some point. Nerve is established to defend humanity out of Kirin. Uh, the third angel is the new part. It's captured at some point and brought to Bethany base. And that's the like skeletal one we saw at the beginning two, right? Yeah. Uh, it's experiment on two that skeleton form. And then Evangelion's zero through five are completed. Uh, though, the one except to that is only the construction of three, four, and six began, but never completed. Okay. So, uh, five, the one that Mario uses at the beginning of the second movie, is completed before the storyline starts, and that's the same for zero through two. But all the other ones are in construction at the beginning. We just don't know about them in that exact moment. So this is when the normal timeline ends up hitting. This is everything with, you know, we see in the movies the one and two. Shinji shows up, takes over control of unit one, fourth angel attacks, everything unfolds as you see it. So I don't think there's much you need to go into that specifically. Yeah. But this is where we get into the interesting part, which is the 14 year time skip that is in the smack dab middle of the rebuild series. So, most of the important questions in this, we don't get any answers in the movies themselves. 
but we do get a lot of information from Anno himself, who actually, during the premiere of 3.33, had a little Q&A and actually kind of opened, answered a lot of questions just immediately. So people knew a bit more going into it than people just kind of watched it elsewhere. So it's kind of broken up into a few spots. The first part is called the Pre-Civil War, which is the Nerf Civil War. Yeah. So what we do know is immediate following events of Third Impact, which later becomes called uh, Near Third Impact, it's stopped by Mark VI in the Sphere of Cassius, and Unit 1 is completely sealed and Shinji is gone liquid inside. This did almost destroy Tokyo 3, though. So yeah. a lot of people talking about the destruction around Tokyo 3, that was directly correlated to Shinji's Near Third Impact. The world going worse was the one that's later known as Actual Third Impact. But a massive number of deaths did occur, and though we aren't given the exacts on how it happened, Gendo and Fuyutsuki are both ousted from their positions in there. So, pre-Civil War, they aren't in charge of there. They got fired. Uh, in a sense. Uh, I'm assuming, was it Sile who did the ousting, or was it yes. members of Nerve? Mutiny or something. No, Sile were the ones who removed Gendo and Yutsuki because clearly Gendo was fucking with the plan. Yeah. The big note uh, thing here is it's actually Kaoru who is replaced as the commander. Kaoru is now so, in charge of Nair? Yeah. He directly works for Sile, so then putting Kaoru in charge makes sense for their plan. And Kaji becomes deputy director. So now if you're thinking back to Thrice Upon a Time scenes, that explains a bit more why Kaoru and Kaji had such a close relationship. In fact, most of what we were seeing was probably actual conversation they had, more so than uh, them having a new conversation. Yeah, it was flashbacks to previous conversations that had been had. It's just flashbacks that we didn't get to see the initial uh, run through. Exactly. So yeah, Kaoru and Kaji were in charge of Nair for a bit. Uh, now, ultimately, Kaji being Kaji, and Kaoru not really being truly allied to Sile, his whole goal has always been Shinji. Yeah. They somehow find out, well, the exacts of what he missed right now is. And this ends up leading to the formation of Wheelay. Yep. Now, it's unclear if Wheelay comes into existence as the Civil War starts, or if Kaji kind of secretly formed it. We know that Kaji is the person who formed Wheelay. Yes. But it's created at some point in this gap members are recruited, and then, uh, effectively, the Civil War ends up starting, which is, even though it's Nerf staff turning against Nerf, it's ultimately actually a war against Sile. Yeah, it makes sense. It's the Nerf staff who have been doing stuff for the purposes of saving humanity from angels, turning against the Sile who has been using Nerf for their own nefarious goals. Yeah, and also during this time frame, Kaji and Misato's relationship gets closer, and she ends up becoming pregnant with Ryoji Kaji. Yep. So this is all after near Third Impact, before Third Impact. Because it seems the Civil War leads directly to Third Impact. Because the Civil War triggers in some aspect, and Gendo resumes command of Nerf. Yeah. So, this is very clear, like, Otto has said that he would like someone to flush this out. This is wild what happens in here, like Gendo getting ousted, not being the commander, and then taking it back during a civil war, and third impact starting. Would love to see how this plays out. 100%. Uh, but ultimately, Gendo uh, then initiates third impact. That's confirmed. 
How he does it is unknown, whether it's specifically involving the 11th or the 12th angel, who are both kind of present. The 11th angel we never learned about. It's a, myster a mystery that we never saw what happened. It could be that Nerf actually defeated the 11th angel, and then he triggers it with the 12th angel, Lilith, in Unit 6. But ultimately, this ends with Kaji sacrificing himself to stop the impact. Yeah. And this third impact gets almost to completion, so a lot of humanity is uh, coronized. Coronization, uh, which was mentioned a lot throughout the movie when everything is red, is, as we find out from the additional impact, is turning humans into cores. Yeah. And then those cores can inhabit the headless Avas that were walking around later on. Essentially. Uh, so that's ultimately what happens pre-Civil War. After this, the four Guardians, or the Goth ships, are completed. And uh, they are each outfitted with one of the five atoms. Uh, so the Goth ships are most likely the bodies of the atoms, and the souls of the atoms are the cores for the units 9 through 12. Yeah. And 13. And 13. This hasn't been confirmed specifically, we just know that both uh, the Goth ship and its corresponding unit are somehow connected to the atoms. Given the sizes and all those details, most likely it is golf ships are the bodies, units uh, have the cores, which are the souls, and that's why they're able to take direct control over the ships. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, also, during this uh, period of the Civil War, we don't know when it happened, but it is uh, Nerv that launches Unit 1 into space. Whether it was Gendo doing it to buy time for his plan, or whether it was the Wheelay side doing it to stall out Gendo's plan, we don't know. We just know that at, through the, all of this going on, Unit 1 was in Nerve HQ, and they were probably doing the same thing to try to pull Shinji up, which they couldn't do. I think the more likely explanation, knowing my understanding of the characters, is that Gendo yeeted Shinji into space to buy time. That <laughs> seems more likely to me than Nerve being like, fuck it. Get that thing away from me. Yeah. More so than... Because I know that in 3.33, uh, they seem... Or not 3.33. 3.0 plus 1.0. God damn, these fucking names. I get it. I understand why the names are named the way that they are now. Or at least a little bit. Um, but the fucking names. Jesus, man. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, even in 3.0 plus 1.0 and 3.33, everyone asking, acting hostile towards Shinji because Shinji triggered near third impact. I recognize even with that, I find it hard to believe that the Nerve side who are trying to protect humanity were just fucking yeeting Shinji into space, uh, even to keep him away from Gendo. Uh, Misato still seems too compassionate to do something like that. But Gendo yeeting his own son into space to buy time seems perfectly in the Gendo playbook of things he would do. Well, also, if you take into account that it was protected by one of the four A's, yeah. It also makes a bit more sense, but whether that was there when it was launched into space, or was found and later attached to it, we don't know. Also, where it was the wheelie side that ended up collecting it out of space, it makes a bit more sense that they were trying to get it back. Yeah. Which, mean, which to well, me... Well, they needed a, a core for, because where they didn't have the Unit 9 to go with the ship, they needed another unit to be the core. Yeah. Uh, so this is where we get into some more interesting speculation stuff. So uh, one of the big questions is how big was the gap between your third impact and the third impact? 
Uh, so generally, the speculation is it had to be around nine months to a year in order to deal with the transition of Tower taking over, dealing with the Eleventh Angel in some aspect, and Gendo returning, as well as uh, Misato being far enough along in the point of pregnancy that she and Kaji would both know she was pregnant. Yeah, because there's a line where she says she wanted to go with Kaji, but decided not to because of the pregnancy. Kaji yeah. told her not to because of the pregnancy. Well, she realized she couldn't, and then Ritsuko said Kaji also wouldn't have let you. Yeah, so it's very clear that both of them were aware that she was pregnant, which means that... And the deed happened after near third impact, so yeah, it would have had to have been a hot second before third impact. Now, uh, there's something I want to address here, which is uh, a fan theory that I strongly disagree with, because it just doesn't add up. There are people out there that think that Ryoji Kaji Jr. is Shinji's son. Uh, I don't like fans. Even if you want to go down the route that Shinji and Misato did something, it's impossible timeline-wise for Ryoji Kaji Jr. to be Shinji's son as he was born enough time... Like, he's 14 at the beginning, right? Yeah. Which... How long was the actual time gap? Uh, like, in total, between the end of 2.22 and the start of 3.33? Uh, we get... It's been over 14 years. Over 14 years. Yeah, so... It just timeline doesn't work out for Shinji to have gotten Misato back. Yeah. But again, it's never been a theory I subscribe to, and kind of defeats the purpose of the storyline between Misato and Kaji that we get for 3.33 and Rise of Hanada. Yeah, no, that's a dumb fucking theory. I can see why some people might cling to it after the events of the original Neon Genesis, or was it in Neon Genesis Evangelion, or was it in End of Evangelion? Regardless. The scene where Misato tries to comfort Shinji, and there's the heavy implication that she's trying to physically comfort him, not emotionally comfort him. Yeah. Uh, so I can see why, like, some people would want there to be a child of Shinji and Misato out there. It's a dumb theory. Ryoji Kaji is clearly not the one. Maybe in one of the infinite timelines that exist. <laughs> I am not aware of any timeline where uh, Shinji and Misato do anything and have a child. Yeah, I'm not saying that there is. I'm just saying if that's the theory you want to describe to, put it in one of those other fucking timelines. This is clearly Ryoji Kaji Jr., the name is correct. He is Ryoji Kaji's son. That is yeah, and very, very heavily in Rebuild. Like, Misato's always kind of been like a surrogate mother figure for Shinji. And in Rebuild, that is much more heavily like front and center than anything else. So it just doesn't work storyline-wise. Yeah, 100%. Like, in other series, she acts inappropriately towards him. And I kind of get the feeling that that's because of the fact that she doesn't know a better way to connect with him. Yeah. Uh, that was her whole storyline in the original. Yeah. In this one, she doesn't need to use that to connect with him because of the fact that Shinji is in a much stabler place the first time around. So he's capable of making those connections with her. Her being a mother figure, this is the like most solid time she's had that kind of connection with him. There is no explanation I would accept for them having the kind of relationship that would lead to Ryoji Kaji Jr. being Shinji's yeah, and uh, another reason this is pointed out that that's unlikely true, and also when you take into account the fact that uh, Ryoji Kaji Jr. is 14, we know that Shinji wakes up about 14 years later. But between that and him meeting him, which is just before the operation, or it's speculated that there's a year there. Yeah. That 3.3 through the beginning of it to the end of it, there's about a year's time. Yeah. So 
he would have been born the year after Shinji was essentially gone 400 percent Yeah. Uh, so another big uh, time to place things here is Operation U.S., which is where they gather Unit One back. So we know that they get Shinji, and it's kind of framed like everything happens back to back. But the speculation is actually there's probably about a month between them getting Shinji or Unit One and, and him, getting him out. Yeah, because both Unit Two and Unit Three are fully reformed, so they have new kits. Now Oscar is wearing the same plug suit. But it was revealed in some side things that she's wearing the same plug suit, the damaged one, from the Bardial fight, and it's like a fuck you to Shinji. Yeah. Which also makes sense with her storyline when we know that she is angry that he doesn't know why he's, she's angry at him because he didn't make a choice with the Bardial fight. Yeah. Uh, but the idea is that for them to get Unit 1, reform Shinji, and install Unit 1, it wasn't an instant. So there's a time gap there that we don't know or don't see specifically, but it's pretty obvious when you look at it. Yeah. So he wakes up. Especially because, sorry, but in the original Neon Genesis, when he went the 400% and turned into Goop, it was like a month in that storyline between him turning into Goop and then managing to successfully pull him out. Yeah. And it kind of seems like this time when he went Goop inside Unit 1, the world kind of immediately went to shit, so they probably didn't have the time to run all those experiments to try and pull them out, so it makes sense that they would have to kind of start that off from scratch. Yeah. And also keep in mind, first has to be willing to come back, right? Yeah. Shinji problems. Yeah. He was hanging out with Rei as far as he knew. Yeah, pretty much. So, uh, kind of because we never get those dates and just vague numbers, everything after Shinji comes out of Unit 1 again... It's very vague on the exact time frame of it, because after they end up having the fight in Nerve HQ, where they stop the fourth impact from happening. Yeah. We don't know how much time passes with him in Village. So Village 3, he could have been there for a month, he could have been there for a year, right? Like, we don't know the exact details, we just know that there's at least, I think, two weeks worth of confirmed days, based on what we get at the montage. Yeah. And it's definitely a solid amount of time, because it's enough time for Ray to pop like a weasel. Uh, it's not a weasel that pops. The weasel makes the pop, the pop exactly. The pop goes the weasel, but that's because the weasel jumps on the balloon, and the balloon pops, and the weasel goes pop when it pops the balloon. That's the story of that song, for anyone who's not aware <laughs> of the song. It's about a weasel popping a balloon and freaking the fuck out when it pops the, we the balloon. Um, anyways, uh... Yeah, no. Uh, Ray pops, and clearly some amount of time had to take for her body to degrade. To yeah, she was pop. working in the village. Uh, everyone was pretty much fully good with the integration of Shinji and Ray. Shinji had to get over some shit. A couple of weeks have passed at very minimal. Yeah. We don't know how long Shinji hung out with uh, the Pen Pen descendants, uh, but clearly it was more than a couple days. Man, is it weird that right now, not even the whole series, I just want to go back and rewatch 3.0. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, so, in that whole time frame, there the two key points where we don't have the exact, oh, we already talked about the Village 3 stuff. Uh, Shinji and Nerve HQ is also one that we're not given an exact time frame on, and we're clearly not showing everything that happens. Yeah. Yeah, no, there's clearly some time that passes. 
It's not like he just shows up and immediately fucking uh, Gendo is like, all right, we're going to put you in 13 now because we have enough time for Shinji to learn to play the piano the uh, cowboy way, so. Clearly there is, also he goes to a library and checks out a bunch of books and then aggressively notices that Ray is not reading the books he picked out for her, so. Yeah, he had to open a library, fill the library, then check out the books, and he probably had to make her a library guy. Yeah. So clearly... And he learned how to play piano with Calvary. Yeah, clearly some fucking shit happened. Uh, so yeah, I... Except that that would be at least a month. Probably more. So that kind of wraps up our timeline. Uh, because then it goes into what we see in Price of of Time, the last part of it, where it's the Siege on Mare of HQ, and everything's kind of resolved in that aspect with Shinji taking control of instrumentality, and then we get the two realities at the end. Yeah. Uh, so with that, most of the stuff, as you can tell, at least conceptual-wise, matches up with the original run, but there's some things that change. There's multiple spears. Uh, we get a little bit more ideas on how Goth works, uh, and also the idea of crafting spears, as well as the aspects of the atoms. Um... One thing that's introduced here that kind of needs a little bit more in depth is the uh, Golgotha object and the uh, minus space. Yep. So minus space can only be entered by beings of godlike power. That's why the atoms can enter. Hypothetically, Lilith can enter. Uh, and obviously the reason Mari can enter is because she, at this point, has consumed one of the atoms with the Avo uh, 08. Right. You said Mari can enter because she consumed one of the atoms. I wasn't imagining thinking of her <laughs> Ava consuming an atom. I, for whatever reason, I had pictured Mari herself eating an atom. Uh, but yes, no, that uh, that makes sense. And I'm okay with that. Now, the key thing about the spears is they're actually directly tied to the Golgotha object because they are made from the Golgotha object. Ooh, that's fun. Uh, and it's believed that minus space is where the first ancestral race created everything from that is kind of the angels' existence, so the seeds of life and death, uh, like the seeds of life and knowledge, yeah. were both created here uh, to transport as well as open the gates. Uh, the Gokutha object was also used to create the spears, and that's why they all reacted a different way uh, than that you would expect reality-wise. Yeah. Uh, which is also why they can kind of be, sh the, for example, the Black and the Wolf is formed into two additional spheres. And that's because using something that was created in the uh, minus space, just like an angel can reshape itself, the object can reshape itself. So ultimately, this also means that the seeds are the exact same properties as the spheres. Yeah. Uh, we don't have any information on how the Golgotha object came into existence or what its ultimate purpose is. We just know that it was used to craft the spears and the seeds. Or the moon specifically. I can accept that. Which, with the wonder also having the body of one of the atoms, you can see how it was able to be crafted, or the spine specifically crafted into the spirit of uh, Gaius. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Uh, the minus space... Again, it's one of those things that we don't have a lot of details on. It operates much like the Diraxi. 
so. Yeah. Shinji gets pulled in and has an existential crisis. Well, it operates in the same facilities as well. So it is quite possible that when Shinji got consumed by Lelio, he might have actually been in the minus space as well. Yeah, he was just in a small corner of it and didn't realize what he was in. Yeah, which he was getting bombarded by a lot of percent special race level of of power is the best way to put it. Yeah. Um, ultimately, yeah. Minus- oh. Sorry, because when he went into the Duroxy, they talked about it being like the imaginary plane or something like that. I feel like so that would make sense. Where this is where uh, the imaginary Ava or Ava imaginary and the negative space all are. It would make sense that the Duroxy is just kind of the same thing. Exactly. Um, but ultimately, everything in the minus space is able to be visualized because it's you know it kind of works just the same way as when they're inside the Evangelion how they have the display screens and they can feel and everything yeah the minus space is filled with ionized LCL which means that your thoughts are getting projected through the LCL yeah and that's why they see themselves on a soundstage version of the town and shit like that yeah and that's ultimately why a being with both uh, knowledge and life is so dangerous in this space because, as is explained, only people with the seed of knowledge can see Ava Imaginary, but only people with the seed of life can reshape themselves. So, a person that can do both that has a lot of power to reshape reality yeah. because they're able to visualize in this world, but also to reshape. Yeah. Whereas, if Calvary were to go in here in just his angel form, he probably wouldn't be able to see Ava Imaginary. Yeah. He would be able to reshape stuff, but he wouldn't be able to see what he's trying to reshape stuff, or what he's trying to reshape it into. And at the same time, if just a little was to go in there, they could see Ava Imaginary, but wouldn't be able to do anything with that information. Yeah, and it was only with the power of the Avas that Shinji was able to make a wish at the end of this one, just like he did at the end of End of End Film. Yeah. But, yeah, I know it's uh, a little underwhelming, but, yeah, Golgoth Object is one of those very vague things that we just know it was used in creation, but if it has a singular purpose that has any other effect in the reality, it's not really established. Yeah. The Minus Space is just a godlike realm where you have the ability to effectively create. Yep. That's fine. I can accept that. I don't need everything to have a tidy answer. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Gendo's plan is ultimately to use Ava Imaginary to trigger the final impact which ultimately involves him becoming God and, you know, reuniting with you. Yeah. As gods do, yeah. reunite with dead wives. Uh, so, now's a good spot to kind of talk about the ending, I guess, with the multiple uh, realities existing. So, once Shinji's in charge of instrumentality, the big difference here from the original is where Shinji wished to be alone, he didn't want that connection. This Shinji has already come to the realization due to Ray Q and being in Village 3 that original on Shinji, he would show affection and love to people because he wanted it back. And this Shinji shows that he's grown like he's grown up, like he's way different than he was before because he realizes he shouldn't be doing that to expect anything back. He needs to do that and just so the person can be happy. Which is why Shinji ends up making a wish that's not for him. Yeah. And even then, in the original run, his mind was fractured enough, and I would at least conjecture, that he wasn't consciously making the wish for loneliness. He just wanted to be alone. Yeah. 
Uh, whereas this time, not only is he making wishes for the benefits of other people around him, and that's why he has that therapy session of, what's going on in your life? What is it that you truly want? So that he can help their wishes come true. It's also, he's had the entire discussion with everyone up to this point where he now understands what's going to happen in there is you're going to have the godlike power to change the world. So he's aware of what he can do and what he wants to do and thus has that much, uh, that extra level of control. Exactly. And that's why his wish is ultimately for making everyone else happy through their own means. Not giving them happiness, but giving them the tools for it. Yeah. Uh, and the ultimate show of he's doing this, not expecting anything back, is he goes through Kaoru, Asuka, Rei, in all ways to make them happy. And then at the end, he's willing to sacrifice himself to secure the happiness because he needs to destroy all the Avas because the only way to make this work out that way is their destruction. Yeah, if Avas are still around, then it won't work out. Yeah. Uh, so the big tell here is when he's having the conversation with Ray Q, he mentions that he's not going to redo everything again. He's going to create a world without even guns. So effectively, this means within the negative space, he takes all of the uh, coronized souls and creates a new reality, but he leaves the reality that he came from in it the way it was because it's unfair to restart their universe. Because these people already have, well, not necessarily happiness, but they have purpose and goals and to take well, also, that away from them. Yeah, effectively, they stop existing as they are. Yeah. Subame's gone, Toji's gone, like they're all gone, and reality just starts back from the beginning, and then we go through the whole thing all over again. Yeah. Uh, so, in that world, Evangelions, they're all gone, everything's been gone without it, so they can live with their life normally. And then Shinji creates this new reality, and we get the most details about it from the conversation with Ray Q. He's like, Ray, oh, not Ray Q, but uh, Ray Anane. He mentioned that Ray Q found a spot that she can just maybe she can find one too. So he creates that reality that we see at the end when he's at the train station where he uh, sends Ray up to the world and the other coronized souls so the ones that weren't just died naturally the ones that were actively coronized by impact yeah. are all populated in this world. and this world never had a beginning and angels never existed anyway so effectively it's just our reality yeah uh, and unlike what we see where restarts of realities tend to have signs from the previous reality especially when these godlike powers. Yeah, like the Red Seas and stuff like that. Yeah. This world has no signs of it because it never it, existed. Angels never existed in the first place, so there's no signs that angels did something. Yeah, so he sends off Rey and he's about to sacrifice himself, and that's when we get the moment with Gendu, who is now Unit 13, and Yu, who is Unit 1, sacrificing himself instead. And the reason Mari's Ava unit doesn't get destroyed this one is because where it's five Ava units, it takes a little bit longer for hers to be destroyed. So here's the interesting part. Mari also makes a wish. Because she also has the power of imagination and has consumed atoms at this point. Is her wish just for Shinji not to die? Is that... So, uh, Shinji is not in that new reality he created at the end. He's sitting on the beach just waiting as time disappears. He's effectively still in the negative space. He's not in a new reality. Yeah. And because he's the only thing in this negative space, he's starting to lose his concept of reality because there's nothing else to bounce off of. But Mari promised, I'm going to come back for you. She comes back, jumps out of the Eva, and before the Eva's gone, essentially the wish is ultimately to take her and Shinji into that new reality. I was about to make a comment about how turns out Rei won between Rei and Asuka, because Shinji sent Asuka to the original timeline. First of all, 
very telling that Shinji realized the best way to make both Rei and Asuka happy is to make sure they're in completely different timelines. Well, to be fair, though, Asuka, Kaoru, and Rei are both in this new reality with him as well. Yeah, but he also sends prime Asuka to hang out with Kenji. Well, he sends Asuka Shikinami. The speculation is this is Asuka, like, Soryu, in this reality. Yeah. But ultimately, the implication is that the only people in this new reality that remember what happened is Mari and Shinji. Regardless, very telling that he sends the Asuka and Shinji, or Asuka and Rei to separate timelines. And I was about to make a comment about how it looks like Rei won between the two of them because Shinji chooses to exist in the timeline with Rei and not the timeline with Asuka. But Shinji didn't make that choice. Mari made the choice, which I think means that... Uh, Asuka technically wins because Mario's like, if I have to put him in a timeline, it has to be the timeline without that fucking bitch. <laughs> well, to be fair, uh, Asuka Shikinami also admits that they used to like each other, but not anymore. Yeah. And the reason, and this is probably going to be upsetting for a lot of people in the fan base, uh, Kaoru, Rei, and Asuka don't seem to recognize Shinji at the train station is because without Evangelion, they never would. They never had a reason to meet in the first place. Exactly. So... A lot of people also complain about Mari choosing to go into another reality with Shinji. doesn't make sense, because at this point she's met him like four times. But another good argument that I heard is, first off, Mari's probably really old. Yeah, so, Curse of... This is the thing I was discussing last episode. I don't remember if we discussed this during the episode or if it was a thought I had after the episode. But, Curse of the Ava, we know Ava pilots don't age... So we don't necessarily know that the first time we see Mari is the first time she's piloting an Ava. Yeah. And we also know from that picture that one of the people who was hanging out with Yui looks an awful lot like Mari. So it could potentially just be Mari's mother who was friends with uh, Shinji's mom. Or the alternative option is that Mari piloted an Ava back then and has the curse of Ava where Futsuki's been aging for her in her place. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, Mari is technically the age of... Shinji's mom and just been hanging out with him. So, what ultimately the implication uh, is, if you think about it, Mari is not... There's nothing saying that the relationship between uh, Shinji and Mari is romantic. Of course. But Mari might have only met Shinji four times, but in this last interaction, she saw essentially that Shinji was willing to sacrifice himself to ensure everyone's happiness. And I think it's more of... It's not that she's romantically interested in Shinji or anything like that, or that she knows him really well. But she's already kind of seen the core of his character, to know that he kind of deserves this, and I'm willing to make sure he gets that happiness. Additionally, if, like, yes, we've agreed there's no real, no signs of any romantic relationship. Yeah, it's pretty much what you put on it, but yeah. we get nothing confirmed. In it. Uh, but if I am right about that actually being Mari from the picture, and not Mari's mother, then that means that Mari probably had a relationship, not like a romantic relationship, but like a friendship with Shinji's mom, which means that even if she doesn't have feelings for Shinji in any way, shape, or form, if one of my friend's kids was about to die to sacrifice themselves for the entire universe, I'd probably be like, no, let's see if I can help you out of this situation. So, yeah. I gotta understand, like, just out of her friendship with Yui, she'd be willing to be like, I'm gonna do what I can to save Yui's kid. Yeah. So, and that's kind of the thing to remember here, too. It's... The whole concept of the story in that last scene isn't that, oh, Shinji ended up with Mari, right? It's ultimately all the characters are finding happiness in their own way. That doesn't involve another person giving them happiness. Yeah. 
this does mean that the, the like two people that Shinji theoretically spends the most time with are uh, I would argue uh, Misato and now Mari after the movie ends. Like yeah, she didn't spend a lot of time with them during it, but she spends time with them after it. Both of them kind of take over a bit of a motherhood role for Shinji. Like that's not exactly the role Mari takes during this, but thinking of it the way I am, she kind of takes a motherhood role. Also, both of them make weird sexual comments to Shinji as a mother figure, where all the things we've talked about Misato in the past, and also, like, Mari's... The three of the four interactions we see <laughs> with Mari and Shinji is Mari commenting on how she has big boobs. Yeah. And that's that's her relationship <laughs> with Shinji. Dropkicking him from orbit and uh, commenting on big boobs. Yeah, that's pretty much their relationship. Yeah, and... Ultimately, I guess we're supposed to take away from what Shinji's doing pre his sacrifice is he's putting them into universes where they're able to find happiness. So we're not even guaranteed that Kaoru is the one, we, the Kaoru that he sends off to have a happy existence, is the one sitting across from at the train station. Yeah, it could just be uh, one of the other Kaoru. Yeah, he uh, effectively created a new universe because the idea is Shinji did not go backwards at the end. Yeah. The reality he goes into is the exact time he left the other reality, but in a world where Evangelion never existed. Yeah. In fact, now that I think about it, that also explains why he sent Asuka Shikinami to the uh, to the current timeline with Kensuke, because as we've discussed, Ava's never existed in this timeline. If Ava's never existed, then there was no reason for Asuka Soryu to be cloned and to create all the other Asukas. Yeah, Asuka Shikinami technically also would Well, there's not a guarantee she wouldn't exist. But there would be no reason for her to exist at this point in time. Yeah. So, Asuka... Uh, Soryu Langyu, or Langley Soryu, would exist, and that's why he sends her this way. Whereas Asuka Shikinami, go fucking hang out with Kensuke. He's well, cool Shikinami's uh, happiness was tied to Kensuke. Yeah. She was the one he... She was the one person she had, like, a friendly relationship. Well, she, he was also the only person we get established in the series that just liked Asuka for being Asuka, and not because she was a pilot, or she was the best at everything. He just liked her. Yeah. I mean, it, her being a pilot was definitely part of the initial attraction, <laughs> knowing who Kensuke is as a person. But yes. Uh, adult cool Kensuke. Yeah, there we go. That one definitely liked her for being her. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that kind of sums up all the lore details for Evangelion. So, all the realities exist at the same time, but the loop is finally broken with this one as Shinji stopped it going. So, reality will not be reset anymore after this point, which means other realities cannot exist. But it doesn't mean that we can fill in the spot between the first and last loop with as many stories as you want. Yeah. It just makes it significantly more worse for Cavra every time we do it, though. Yeah. That means that literally anyone who has ever written fan fiction of uh, Evangelion, technically that's a potential timeline that exists. Yeah. Man, that's actually kind of a baller move by Anno, is just to create a storyline in which every single person's fan fiction is technically canon. Like, fucking anyone who's written, I don't know, Harry Potter fanfiction, that's probably a popular one. <laughs> nah, you get to live in a world where, like, you wrote the story and you enjoy it, but no, that's not true in any shape of the of form. I, I could live in a reality where my immortal's canon. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but... Dumbledore! 
literally every single form of Evangelion fanfiction that anyone writes technically gets to be canon. Shave Impact. Yeah. So, if you're a fanfiction writer out there and you want to add legitimacy to your fanfiction, write Evangelion fanfiction and you can tell people that you technically wrote fanfiction that was later made canon. <laughs> That's fair. Now, is there any questions you have about the overall lore itself that you would like to go over? I just want to talk about fanfiction more, but I, I can uh, hold off. Okay, well, in that case, we do have a series of questions that came in more things on the Instagram page. So let's go through some of those, should we? Uh, so one of the questions we got here from Instagram was from August Mercadokelly. Uh, could Kaoru have taken a form different from his? Uh, yes, I believe he could, because that's the whole point of the Seed of Life, is that they have more direct control over their... AT field, and that's what allows them to kind of reshape. Yes and no for Kaoru, because Kaoru is a bit of a weird situation where he is also made of lone DNA. Right. Which I think he has some limited control. I th he, he's already shown that he can fully control his AT field, but I don't think he can change the physical form he's in. That's fair. Because uh, we've, we've seen no precedent for it, uh, him being able to physically change things. I think he might be able to heal faster than other things, so he can probably heal a wound but I don't think he can change his form as it is. That's fair. Also, he might just not want to, because, you know, this is the way he was when he first met Shinji. Maybe he just wants Shinji to always see him in the way he'll most commonly remember. Which is also a possibility, but we also have to take it down every time Kaoru's fought. He's had to use an Evangelion. Yeah. So, if he had all these strong angel powers... That's true. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, Although, I guess at the same time, we saw Asuka awaken as the ninth angel... During Price Upon a Time. Yeah. So he could possibly have an awakening form like that, but we haven't seen it. Yeah. Uh, this question is from Evangelion Balls. Uh, how did Lilith have Kaoru's shape at the end of End of Evangelion? Uh, I think this one's pretty much actually right tied in there with the original question. I don't think it's that Lilith had his form. I think it's. Lilith knew that the thing that would calm Shinji down was the form of Kaoru. Yeah. So she took the form of Kaoru, because she can change her shape. Yeah, she actually, she is an angel, she has angel powers, so she can fully reform herself. And chose to reform herself into the form that would be most comforting to Shinji at that point. She initially tried uh, the Rei look, and then Shinji did not respond, so she tried <laughs> Kaoru instead. Exactly. Uh, so I got another fun question here from uh, Rico Dalgalo. Favorite Evangelion merch? Not really a lore question, but I guess it is in a sense. Uh, I am not familiar with any Evangelion merch, with the exception of the Schick Hydro brand uh, razors that have been tied. They're not even technically merch. They just uh, have a brand tie-in with Ava. Uh, if you can think of any object, there's probably an Evangelion version of it. I'm going to stick with the Schick Hydro Evangelion razors, because I don't want to think of just... My favorite product, period, and then assume <laughs> there's an Avon version of that. I, I, you don't have to assume. I guarantee there is. Uh, even so, just because... You like apples? There's Evangelion apples. Just because I have a favorite product doesn't mean I would enjoy the Ava version of that product. The fact that it's Ava might make it a lesser version of the product myself. So I can't think of something that would be made... I can't think of a product that would explicitly be made better by being an Ava version of it. So without any experience with actual Ava merch, I cannot comment. No, 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 I thought about it. I, I know my answer. 
uh, because I could claim it's technically not Abram Rich, even though it's absolutely Abram Rich. Uh, and it's the uh, action figure of the uh, mass production Avas from End of Evangelion, <laughs> because it's also in the movie One Hour Photo by Robin Williams. That's, fair. Uh, that's funny, because my answer is actually the uh, uh, Ava model kits. So I, I like Gunpla myself, uh, building Gundams, and there's Ava ones as well. So it's just, I like putting those little mechs together and like pose and stuff, so the Ava mechs are also a pretty good one to have. Nice. The uh, apple juice brand is pretty good, though. I'm, I'm sure it is. Uh, there, th this is a bit of a tangent, but there was a person on YouTube, I can't remember the video myself, about, but he s tried to see if he could live off of Ava uh, merch only. Like, eating food and, like, drinks that are specifically... Because there's Ava coffee, there's Ava juice, there's Ava food. Yeah, that might as well happen. Yeah. You can, by the way. I'm sure you can. <laughs> Uh, so this next question is from Infinity underscore Dill Pickles, and their question is, what the fuck is going on? Infinity underscore Dill Pickles. First of all, have you not been listening to our podcast? Because we very clearly explained what was going on every step of the way. Uh, secondly, I don't fucking know, man. <laughs> I mean, you should. You've been listening to the podcast. You think I listen to this podcast, Keith? <laughs> You're here right now. You're listening to me. Just spit knowledge at you. You think I'm listening to you while you're talking at me during this podcast? No, I'm fully checked out. <laughs> oh, God. Well, that sounds like we go into a next question, then. Yep. Uh, this one's from AMR underscore gum underscore darkhar. Uh, why did Shinji say goodbye to everyone in the last movie? Well, this kind of ties into the idea that Shinji's a surrogate stand-in for Ano. This is the end of Shinji's story with an Evangelion, as well as Anno playing in the Evangelion storyline. In fact, uh, a little fun nod, but the big song of this is uh, One Last Kiss yeah. uh, by Hikari Kodata. Uh, and the last line spoken in the movie is, I will love you more than you'll ever know. So it's kind of like a heartfelt goodbye from Anno to the Ava series as a whole, and Shinji. Uh, he's kind of like moved on from the franchise, and it's served his purpose ultimately. And that's why Shinji's kind of saying goodbye to everybody. It's also Ano saying goodbye to everybody. Yeah. Sure, makes sense. Uh, there's a follow-up question uh, from the same user as well that we're going to go over here. And that's, did Shinji recognize Asuka, Rei, uh, and Kaoru on the other side of the train station, or does he only remember Mari? And I think ultimately, the fact that Shinji still has the collar and... The big hint that the Shinji remembers everything is because Mari puts her hands over his eyes and says, guess who? And he repeats back for the last time they had this conversation, what she said. Yeah. So I think Shinji definitely has the memories. I don't think Shinji would acknowledge them because the whole point of what he did with his godlike power. Well, I think he does acknowledge. Like, he's not hes not to the point that he wants to forget the past. He wants to move forward from it, right? Uh, to clarify, by acknowledge, I mean... I don't think he's going to, like, run over, say hello, and, like, try and oh, be okay. a part of their lives. Yeah. Um, just because of the fact that the whole point of that instrumentality was to give them the tools to find happiness on their own. He's not trying to be a part of their lives anymore. He wants them to have that opportunity to find that happiness. Yeah, Shinji's ultimately learned that love should be selfless, in a sense. And he does care very much for all those people, but he wants them to be happy, regardless of that involving him or not. Yeah. We have a question here from 00.0mar. 
Uh, how was there so many Avas by the end of the series, and why did they make so many Avas? Ultimately, uh, they always needed 13 Avas, regardless of it being the original run or the rebuild run. Because there was 13 members of CLA, and the original purpose of the Avas, as dictated by CLA, was to hold their souls so they could have combat. Ultimately, yeah. Uh, rebuild is slightly different, I guess, where it's a bit more open that they want to actively become the thing to replace angels under God. So it's not so much they want to be God, but they want to be the angels, is the way to put it. And Evangelions are essentially just able bodies, but souls. Yeah. Uh, so, mass production is the true answer here, I guess. But ultimately, it was the Dead Sea Scrolls prophesied three Evangelions that required Prince's mentality. Or, it's not three, 13. So, Celeo made sure there was 13. Kind of sounds like if you have a problem with how many of us there are, just blame Henry for it. <laughs> He's responsible for most mass production that exists. I suppose so. Uh, this question here is from Aveo.Decito.96. Four Ava marks are the atoms, S2s, and ships. Uh, are they the atom forms? Uh, so we kind of went over this briefly with what we were talking about earlier when we got to the wonder and all that and the atoms. Yeah, so. Nothing's ever been fully confirmed, but the most likely answer, which seems to be proven but never confirmed, the bodies of the atoms are the four uh, Gong battlecruisers, the Wonder included, whereas the Avas have the cores, which contain the souls of the atoms, and that's why they're able to merge and take direct control of them. Yeah. How do the Dead Sea Scrolls get brought into the lore? Uh, this one's from Angelo underscore SRZ. This one's a bit fun because... The Dead Sea Scrolls come to Earth with the Seas of Life. Yeah, of course. We now also know that Kauru actively makes sure that everything happens specifically for Shinji to be born and for them to come into contact. Which means that Kauru is most likely responsible for the Dead Sea Scrolls. Now, it's never confirmed, but it is possible that the Dead Sea Scrolls have been a big misunderstanding and it's actually Kauru's specific plans on making Shinji happy. It likely it's never intended for anyone else to read. It's essentially Kauru's like plotting out. We'll do this, then we'll do this, and this is how we'll make Shinji happy. Not realizing that every time he does that, it just ends up in the hands of Sile and Sile's like, oh, this is gonna happen, then this is gonna happen. Yeah, it, it, not necessarily that Kauru didn't want anyone to read it because he knows Sile. He's always worked with Sile, right? Yeah. So it is quite possible that Kauru is putting these plans out there, knowing Sile finds them most of these realities and then acts on them. So, it could just be blueprints that Kaoru's doing for each plan to try to make Shinji happy. Yeah, it, <laughs> which means he, out there there's the, like the first run-through, which doesn't have the Dead Sea Scrolls that are as we know them in the universe. And that might also be the Book of Life that Kao references where he wrote their names together, Fate. Yeah. That the Dead Sea Scrolls are one and the same with the Book of Fate, which ultimately they are because they prophesize everything that happens within said franchise. Yeah. Now, this is not confirmed. But once that revelation about Kaoru dictating reality to make sure Shinji's always born and that he comes in contact with them in an attempt to find happiness for Shinji, I strongly have swing to the side that I believe the Dead Sea Scrolls are also a product of Kaoru. Yeah. Did Kaoru make the Book of Fate or did he just write into the book? He made it. It's okay. not a real thing. Yeah, no, alright. No, I'm 100% on board that with Kaoru also essentially creating other fate objects to like dictate this is what's going to happen in this specific loop, yep. and then just putting it out in the world 
so that other people can be Sile specifically can have access to that because it fits his goals. Uh, the other idea is it could be Ethereal Lilith because we see that she kind of has knowledge at the same time of every reality at every moment because she exists outside of time now after she ends up, you know, yeah. instrumentality. Uh, so even after she dies in the reality where she gets coming, that's why we see her at the beginning of the franchise and at the end of Road It, it could be Lilith where she sees everything has written it down in each individual timeline and that's the Dead Sea Scrolls so it comes on Lilith's uh, egg but either way it's coming through one of their eggs we don't know which one specifically we just know it comes Earth with the angels so if it came with Adam it was probably Kauru if it came with Lilith it was probably Lilith yeah I can accept that yeah but again also nothing ever confirmed just that it comes to them so I prefer to believe it's Kauru yeah Kauru is definitely the one I like a lot more about this one yeah Oh, look at that. So we got a question from Sleepy underscore David Zero, who asks, Why is Ray in the beginning of the show just kind of vibing there, and then reappears in End of Evangelion? There uh, you go. Yeah, it's we, we not actually Ray, it's Ethereal Ray. Yeah, we definitely go more into depth in this in our previous lore episode when we finished the original run at End of Evangelion. But that's Ray existing out of time, because when she gains the godlike powers, she's not constrained by time anymore. So yeah. when we're seeing Lilith at the beginning, that's or Ray at the beginning, that's Lilith in her like ethereal quantum form who is actually within the series i believe also called quantum wet ray just observing quantum starts with q <laughs> she's another version of ray q well no that because that was ray this is Lilith. Uh, oh yeah that's true <laughs> but ultimately she's observing and this is also why people who read the manga believe that it's the first loop because she doesn't appear in the, in the beginning. beginning, yeah. Quantum Ray is not there at the beginning of the story. She only appears after uh, the instrumentality starts. Yeah. Uh, Moment Rider, uh, Moment Underscore Rider 007 asked, Why are there five Adams and only one Lilith in the rebuilds? Uh, I think this is more of... You should know that already if you were listening to the first half well, of this podcast. Well, he's asking why, why not five Lilith, right? Yeah. As I said, the whole reason there are five Adams is because the ancient ancestral race wanted to fuck with Karu's plan because Karu was fucking everything up with the Book of Fate, so they threw five atoms there. They weren't going to also throw five Liliths. That would have balanced things back out to fit in Karu's plan. They wanted to throw a wrench in, so they upset the balance. <laughs> Fair enough. That, that's also why there's only four spears on there, because they wanted to make sure there was not enough spears to knock out all the atoms no matter what happened. Yeah, so... It, what it, I'm trying it, to say it, is we don't know, but I have my theories, yeah. and you accept those theories, yeah, David. It, it, it's one of, No, this is Moment Rider. Moment Rider, sorry. Yeah, I it's just one of those things, like, it's a why not situation, right? There's not a, oh, why didn't they? It's why would they? What does it serve to the story? Ultimately, the choice was, I guess, Lilith won all the time. Adam's optional. Yeah. Uh, so we got another question here from Charlotte underscore KMNM. Manga is better than anime. Not really a question, but this is more for, uh, I guess, you, Peter, because ultimately, once we finish these character reviews... Uh, I'm going to have to read the fucking manga, the manga which a lot of people believe is the first run. If I had to look at the three storylines of manga, uh, anime run, and rebuild, I think the manga I like more than the anime run. Sure. Fine. Whatever. But, of course, uh, like they all have their own purposes, and it's just... I think the manga, you can appreciate more with the anime and the movies uh, knowledge from that. 
Uh, so we got a question here from GoofyGamer28. Do you think the rebuild connects to the last scene of the original End of the Evangelion movie? If so, how? So, for this one, yes, very much I think there is a connection there. Uh, the biggest tell on this is... In the Minus space, everything's created from memory. And that scene very much mim mimics the End of Evangelion beach scene. To yeah. the fact, and this is a little fun thing a lot of people don't catch. Asuka, in the Rebuild series, on the collar, her suit has triangles. But in the uh, original run, she has squares. And the only time her uh, plug suit has squares on it in Rebuild is on that beach. So it's Shinji recreating that scene, essentially, with his memories. Yeah. Now, that Shinji is not the one who was specifically there, but it was still Shinji. And that's kind of, I guess, him... It's ultimately mainly for the fans to get closure to the character in their most iconic scene together, right? Yeah. But uh, we also learn that when the world resets, every time it goes back, remnants remain. So the fact that the sea is red, there's the blood splatter on the moon, the thing that looks clearly like the crucified mass production Ava uh, outline on the hill. Those are all indicators that we're seeing a continuation. So I wouldn't be surprised if the anime run and the rebuild run were actually back-to-back -back narratively, if you had to put all the loops into a chronological timeline. We have the manga's the first one. We have every version of fan fiction ever written, as well as all the video games and anime spinoffs, and then anything else that gets added in, in between, and then it's immediately anime rebuilt. Yeah, now, of course, to fully understand the story of Evangelion, you don't have to go through every single thing, of course. Then why are you forcing me to go through every single thing, Keith? After we're done the manga, we're going to play every one of the games. We're gonna just like, it's like, fun! <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Uh, but going to the title, Thrice Upon a Time, the ultimate idea is that the thrice and thrice upon a time can be interpreted two ways. The manga, into the original run, into the rebuild. Or the original run, into the rebuild, into the new reality. Yeah. Being the third time, the thrice upon a time. Yeah. But everything else is canon within whatever build. But yeah, ultimately, End of Evangelion is directly tied into the story rebuild. It happens because of End of Evangelion, in a sense, or payoff to things in End of Evangelion happen to rebuild. But it's not that it's a direct connect, because the only thing that really connects through is those hints to the reality being restarted and Calvary's memory. So, for the last question we had from Instagram, we have Crayon Eater 72 had a twofold question. They want to know about the door slash chambers of Goth and the Golgotha object. Uh, so, we kind of went into these in details, but ultimately, the Golgotha object is from Minus Space, and it was used to build most of the angel related things the spears, the seeds, uh, everything that was kind of crucial to a lot of the ceremonies to get into the Minus Space, and the door of Goth ultimately leads into the minus space. So the Chamber of Golf is also the minus space. Yeah. Uh, and inside each of the eggs that transported Adam and Lilith, they have the ability to enter this space and create the gate within it. And that's where the souls of the angels come out of, uh, as well as the Lilans, which means both chambers kind of open to different spaces, but we only ever see really inside of the one from Adam, which is the ground zero where... Uh, second impact happened. 
we briefly see inside the one from Lilith at the end of 3.33, and we do see a Kogotha object inside of it, but we never actually go within it and see. And with that, that wraps up uh, the lore, I think. Sure. I'll trust you. Uh, any final questions before we move on? This is some fun information. Uh, key of Nebuchadnezzar. What would what, that be? So, we never get an exact on what the key of Nebuchadnezzar is, but Gendo, we can assume, inserts into his body in some capacity. Which Via the a, eyes, based on the hole, I assume. <laughs> possibly. I think the eye... Uh, well, yeah, I never really thought about if that's the aftermath of what he did to consume it, or if that was the effect. So, you know, it's possible he just... Kind of he just, just like face. jammed it into his face. Uh, but ultimately, remember how I said the four ships and the four atom units that we talked about are connected? Yeah. We never see what happens to the body of the fifth one, which is used for Unit 13. Most likely, that's the remains of the fifth atom that was unaccounted for. Uh, so he effectively becomes almost the full sixth atom, or fifth atom, making the final one. And a little fun fact here for you. Um, kind of, you know, how even tell it's from biblical stuff and all that. Uh, there's a comment about six, uh, five beasts, and the last one's the most dangerous, and, and ultimately, Gendo becomes the final beast with the four atoms after they're defeated. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Okay. Fun fact, me, Keith. Okay, so this is more of some production stuff. Uh, so... You know how most of the Avas have color schemes to their pilots? Yep. And how Shinji's doesn't really match with his Ava? That's true. The original concept, the Ava Unit 1 was supposed to be white and black. Ah, and then it would match. Yeah, so it more matched in line with his standard color scheme, but that was changed later on. Man, what a boring fucking character now that I think about it. <laughs> like, you think about all the other characters, like Asuka's red and shit. And, like, every color, every character has, like, their color pairing, but then Shinji's color is just, oh, black and white. Uh, so, there's a series called Blue Water that Ano worked on. Uh, this is another Shinji fact, by the way. Uh, in the original design, Shinji was supposed to be a female, but because he just did Nadia, uh, they decided that it was going to be a male character. But if you take Nadia and Shinji and place them side by side and give Shinji slightly more feminine features, they're the exact same design. Like, they look the exact same. <laughs> Uh, so, this kind of goes more in line with what I was talking about, about Ano confirming things. And Ano, in uh, interviews, has implied that Kaoru and Kaji scenes in the Upon a Time are more leaning to flashbacks than actual ongoing dialogue. Uh, now, this one is more for uh, going back to the Minus universe and the Golgotha object, which tend to be the biggest question marks around the franchise. They themselves are actually kind of referenced to Ultraman series. Sure. Uh, which is the death of the Ultra Bros, specifically. In fact, the atmospheres that we see hovering over Antarctica uh, very much mimic that scene of when the uh, Ultra Bros were killed off. Uh, in fact, the Minus Universe, uh, the Anti-Universe, is also called Gogoth in uh, Ultraman. Of course it is. Yeah, nope, that works. I mean, I was a big uh, Ultraman fan, and he also has worked on Ultraman, so good for him to be able to go into that franchise he enjoyed so much. Yeah. Infinities, when they fly out of an object, looks very similar to the Tree of Life from the end of Evangelion. Yep. Uh, implying that they're coming from it, just like, you know, things tend to come from the Tree of Life through lore. Uh, and then the last fun fact I have here is 
the IPEA, so the International Project of Evangelion Agency, the ones who limit the amount of Evas. Their logo uh, contains a three-eyed giant, which looks a lot like the Adams. <laughs> of course it does, yeah. So with that and our lore wrap-up, what are your thoughts as a whole? I also know you were holding off on giving your final thoughts on Price Upon a Time until now, so let's get your thoughts on that and with the extra context of the lore. I, so with the extra context of the lore and all that, I actually thoroughly enjoyed this series. I know roughly halfway through most of my comments started turning to, why are you making me do this, Keith? Can I leave? I promise I won't tell anyone you kept me here at gunpoint. Like, it, that's kind of where my comments started to go about halfway through the series. Now that we have completed Rebuild and had the time to, like, let everything that happened sink in a little bit, I have thoroughly enjoyed this series. That's good to hear. Uh, rebuild, uh, well, not just Rebuild, but there we go. I've been pretty clear, it's probably my favorite animated series uh, out of all of them. And it's... You probably haven't experienced it in the way that most of the fan base has, where they have that grueling weight, which yeah. obviously I think the uh, release of like stress at the end of Price Upon a Time that the fan base had probably wasn't to the same degree. Oh yeah, but like it's one of those stories that it's like so easy to just connect with certain characters in it and feel actually connection to them that like when things fail for them or go good for them, you actually get a response. And it's kind of just been Evangelion as a whole, and the rest of the franchise, even though it's not considered part of the core storyline outside of the manga, of course, it's still the same character, just in new situations. So it's one of those things where it kind of put itself in that great situation where you can make Evangelion stories forever, and it's all canon, and it's you know the characters, just different sense. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it. Solid A... A... Just A. I'm not going to give it an A+. Plus. <laughs> I, I can imagine a better series, but I I do think this one is a very solid top of the pack. Yeah, it's very clear why it was the very influential series that it was, and continues to still play with the genre. I can understand why stuff like Invader Zim took inspiration from it. Yeah. Well, with that, I think it's time to wrap up the episode. We've got a bit longer than our normal episodes of this one. Uh, which I was expecting for a lore episode. So uh, make sure to follow the podcast. We're now available on all major podcasting platforms. Make sure to like, review, favorite, any comments, pass it on to a friend. Word of mouth is definitely the best way to pass this on and grow the channel. On top of that, if you'd like to email us, you can reach us at whatismypodcastabout at gmail.com. If we have a question that wasn't answered after listening to this episode, just email us. We'll answer that the next time we get to it. On top of that, you can also follow us on Instagram where we have the channel that gives information on just random topics as we go through the series. So we do it in a nice canon direction so that if you're following with the podcast or the series, you won't have anything that spoils anything too early. On top of that, you can ask us questions directly there. We have our polls. We're actually, as of listening to this, just started the uh, semifinals for the Angel Showdown. So we're down to the last six angels, so that's going to be good. What can we expect next time, Keith? So we're going to get into the... Pilot story breakdown. So we're actually going to start off with Shinji Ikari for the next episode and go through his whole character development and little fun facts about Shinji as we go through. And then we'll be doing the other four pilots of Mari, Asuka, Rei, and Kaoru. Uh, so make sure to tune in that, but we're starting off with Shinji. And as always, plenty of fan service. <laughs>